0: a little bit different today um so you may be seated and the musicians may go down Dropped your pen <laughs> Amber and I have been uh joking a little bit that of course they schedule the New Yorker to preach on 911 um you know it's 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 an emotional day for everybody but uh for many people and and I wish a lot more people the events that took place on 9-11-2001 will always be a haunting memory, but one that saw the nation come together. And, and as a New Yorker, you might think that I might talk about, uh, you know, the planes that hit the World Trade Center and the events that happened in New York City. But, but I just could not get my mind off of the people on board United Flight 93. And, and if you don't know United Flight 93, that's the plane that crashed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And if it wasn't for the people on that flight, it would have made it to the target of Washington, D.C., killing thousands more on that day. And today I get the title of my message from the last words that are known by Todd Beamer who was one of the men who led the charge in fighting back against those hijackers. And these words are words that we as Holy Ghost-filled Christians absolutely need to adhere to in the times that we are living in today. And those words are, okay, let's roll. Okay, let's roll. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, God. We give you all the glory, all the honor today, Lord. I, I pray right now as we enter your word, Lord God, that you open our hearts and open your, our minds, Lord. Anoint these lips to be words that your people want to hear today, God. God, we thank you for this magnificent presence we already feel here today, Lord. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Those passengers who were on American Airlines Flight 11, United Airlines Flight 175 and American Airlines Flight 77 had no knowledge of their fate on that day. A hijacking typically meant that uh, something was wanted in turn uh, for a safe landing. They did not know that these suicidal terrorists had them heading straight for their deaths. However, United Flight 93 was delayed more than 25 minutes, which threw off the coordination of these terrorists. Those on board were able to hear what was happening with the other planes, and rather than stick to the norm and wait on their fate, they took action. They devised a plan, and they stormed the cockpit of that plane, And although it crashed in Pennsylvania and they lost their lives, thousands of lives were saved because they decided, okay, Let's roll. I wonder today do we have anyone in this house that's ready to roll? Are you ready to fight back against the devil? Are you ready to fight against this crazy society that we live in today? Are you ready to roll in your battle against addiction? Are you ready to roll in your battle for your family and your fight for your children? The Lord has given you the information. Are you going to use it today or are you going to let the world seal your fate? Okay. Let's roll. I want to tell somebody today, life may be coming at you hard. You might be struggling. You might not know what's going on. You might be down, but it's not quitting time. It's time to roll today. And if you're not standing, if you want to stand with me, I am going to get into the scripture now. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Job. The book of Job, I know uh, this is a happy book. <laughs> I know when you hear the book of Job, you might not think of a message that's going to get you running around the aisles or jumping over the pews or, or dancing around. But, but I got a message from the Lord today that might just make you do that. Um, and, and We're going to read uh, the book of Job, and we're going to be in chapter 2. And then we're going to move over to the New Testament uh, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. Uh, but we're going to start in the book of Job, chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. And then we're going to jump over to the book of Hebrews. and We're going to be in chapter 10, book of Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 35 through 39. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 through 39. Bible says, cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Let's give him some praise in this house today. Oh, come on, church. That's a good applause for your favorite sports team. That's a good applause for your favorite singer at a concert. But this is praise to the Lord. This is praise to the one who healed your body, the one who brought you out of that dark place. Let's give him some praise today. Hallelujah! Thank you. You may be seated today. Okay, let's roll. Although I am, I'm only thirty years old, um, but but I've been working uh, since I got out of high school. Uh, so i 've been working for a decent uh, amount of time. I started uh, with part time retail jobs and and uh, made my way up to management positions in in retail and, and Retail requires you to work weekends and and it wasn 't until I started working a steady Monday through Friday job that I noticed what happens to people on fridays you're you 're excited for the weekend. And a little bit of rest is coming. So by the time lunch is over on Friday, the work ethic drops significantly. Oh, I could just leave that for Monday. Oh, that that person doesn't actually need a call back today. Uh, I'm pretty much done. I can cut out early for the day. I'm just going to chill the rest of the day. It's almost quitting time. And I, I hear some of you laughing, and I see some of you smiling because you've seen it. You've seen it, but but some of you are smiling because you know that's you. You've been there. <laughs> it, it's quitting time, and, and during the week, uh, you're happy for quitting time. And, and on Friday, you're especially happy because you know the weekend is here. You know the labor is done. And, and that might be something funny that happens in our workplaces, and in our schools, but I'm not here to talk about our workplaces and our schools. I'm here to talk to the church today, and I'm here today to stand against the spirit of the quitter, to come against the spirit of the quitter. We live in a time today like no other in history. This is an evil time This is a dangerous time. This is a deceitful time. This is a perilous time. But this is not quitting time. This is the time for the church to stand up, fight back, and say, okay, let's roll. This is not the time for giving up. Winston Churchill once said, wars are not won by evacuations. And he was right. Wars are not won by evacuations. Wars are not won by those who quit wars are won in the trenches they are won by determination wars are won by persistence and wars are won by those who will not quit Jesus said in the last days the love of many will grow cold but that doesn't have to be you today he did say that many would be offended but that doesn't have to be you today he did say that many would be deceived but that doesn't have to be you today He did say that many would give up and quit, but that doesn't have to be you today. And Jesus ended those verses by saying, he that endureth to the end, he shall be saved. I wonder if there's anyone in this house today that's ready to roll, if that's ready to say, I'm ready to endure to the end and to be saved. And I want to tell you from this pulpit today, This is the time to roll. This is the time to rise up. This is the time to endure. This is the time to persevere. This is the time to be faithful. This is the time to overcome. This is not quitting time. This is victory time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This world is filled with people who would rather switch than stay, who would rather flee than fight, who would rather surrender than stand, who would rather walk away from it than work at it. And even the strongest Christians can become discouraged. Elijah was one of the greatest of all the prophets. We read about that story on Mount Carmel, how he defeated the prophets of Baal. Fire fell from heaven, and it consumed the offering. It consumed the altar. It consumed the water that had been poured on the offering. And the Bible says it even licked up the dust around the altar. This was a glorious, powerful victory. But then right after that, we see Elijah running for his life. And he becomes so discouraged that he runs and he hides and he wants to give up his prophetic ministry. And he just wants to die. And he's a prophet. John the Baptist, the Bible said, is the greatest prophet born of a woman. But the same time came in John the Baptist's life where he doubted that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And what I'm saying is, That no Holy Ghost-filled Christian, no matter how strong, no matter how mature, no matter how old or how long you've been walking in the Lord, no one is beyond the reach of discouragement. Even the best of God's people can feel dejected or disheartened. Let's look at Job's wife here. And we love to point our fingers at Job's wife, we love to point our finger at Uh, This woman, we, we, we make her a target of great criticism and great reproval, and we're quick to point our finger at her and censor her. But we need to remember today that everything that Job lost, she lost too. She lost too. She had 10 children die in one day. In one day. She birthed those 10 children. She nursed those 10 children. She raised them to maturity. She raised them and she saw them marry and have their own homes and their own families. And she lost 10 children in one day. What mother could survive that? What mother can survive the loss of 10 children in a single day? Her identity was tied up in her husband, who had been the greatest man in the East, And now he's sitting in the city garbage dump, scraping boils with pottery shards in a pile of ashes. That's her identity now. She had been a wealthy woman. And now the herds and the sheeps and the flocks are gone. The houses and the lands are gone. All the wealth and possessions are gone. Everything is gone. What does she have left? And now she looks at her husband who she probably believes is hours or even minutes away from death himself. And she looks at him and she says, do you still maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? And there's no doubt that Job's wife was was in the deepest despair that a woman could ever know. Grief, loss, Sadness had completely overwhelmed her. And it's not difficult to understand why she looked at her poor and diseased husband and she encouraged him to curse God and die. Church, I want to tell you today that there is a voice that seeks to call out in times of hardship and distress. There's a voice that seeks to cry out To us in our times of suffering, in our times of grief, in our times of struggle, and it's a voice of despair, and it is the voice of despondency. It is the voice that injures the soul, a voice that attacks the faith. It is a voice that robs our joy and steals our hope. It is a cry that originates in the pit that sees no hope, and it's a voice that cries out, give up, give in. It's time to quit, curse God, and die. It's the voice that tells you to cast away your confidence in God, throw away your faith, throw away your trust in God. And there is not anyone in this place today that has not heard that voice at one time or another in your life. But how we choose to respond to that voice will determine our eternal destiny. You can't choose whether or not you're going to hear the voice, but you can choose what your response is going to be when you hear that voice. When that voice cries to you from the pit, curse God and die. Throw away your confidence. Give up. It's quitting time. For Job, it looked like it was all over. Family, gone. Wealth and possessions, gone. Health, gone. We need to understand that each one of us is going to experience a time in our lives when what we see is a poss- impossibility and hopelessness. There are times when all we can see is hopelessness and despair. When what we will see tells us to give up, when what we will t- it will tell us to throw in the towel, it'll tell us that it's not gonna happen, when what we see will tell us that it's time to quit. Job could see the evidence He could see the travesty in his life. He could see All the devastation, but somehow in the heart of that impoverished, suffering man, he was able to dig down deep in his soul and he was able to say, This is not quitting time. Let's roll. I will not live by what I see, I will live by what I know. And what did Job know? He said in Job chapter 19, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Somebody give him some praise today in this house. Hallelujah. We got to live not by what we see, but by what we know. I know my God, I know his promises, I know his word, I know that he never fails, and I will respond to my situation by his promises. It's not quitting time yet, it's time to say, okay, let's roll and be the change that this world needs today. It's time to make a move in our society and step out on what we know, and that is his promises. And we got to catch this amazing statement that Job said here. He said, even if the skin worms devour my flesh, in my flesh, I'm going to see God. Now, that might seem like a contradiction. How are you going to see God in your flesh when the worms have eaten up your body? You see, Job is one of the most mysterious books in the Bible. We don't know a lot about uh, where he lived or even the time that he lived in, but this much we do know. Job had a revelation that even if his body perished and turned to dust, there was a promise from God that in his flesh he was going to seek God and that his redeemer lived and that his redeemer would stand in the last day upon the earth. Even if God destroys my flesh he said somehow he will restore my flesh so that i can stand with him and see him even in this body what was job saying job was saying that this is not quitting time this is the time to roll this is the time to hold on to god like i've never held on to god before job could have replaced what he said uh, to his wife by, I made it through the loss of my houses. I made it through the loss of my flock and my sheep. I made it through the loss of my children. I made it through the loss of my wealth. I made it through the loss of all my possessions. I stood. I'm at the very end. I am not going to give up on God now. I am not going to give up on now. God now. You see, Job refused to give up on two things. He refused to give up on two things. He refused to give up on his personal integrity and he refused to give up in his personal faith in God. Job refused not to or Job refused to sin with his lips. He refused to sin with his let, lips. Do not let words of doubt pass your lips today. When the enemy speaks fear into your heart, speak courage. Through the word of God. When the enemy speaks doubt, speak faith in Jesus' name. When the enemy accuses, speak what God has claimed that you are. When the enemy comes against you, use the word of God. Speak it into your situation. Speak it into the lives of your children. Speak it into your career. Speak it into your marriage. Speak it into your health. Speak it into your finances. Speak the word of God and the promises of God today. Job refused to charge God or to blame God. Yes, Job did ask some questions. He did ask some questions. He asked many questions. He wondered why all of this was happening. Nothing made any sense to him. And he poured out his questions. He poured out his pain to God. But he never blamed God, and he never accused God. He poured out to God his supplications. Supplications are a deep cry out. We talked to this in Joe's class in Hyphen today. Supplications are a deep, deep cry out, a deep heartfelt cry to God for your deepest desires. And, and, and I want to tell you today, church, that it's okay to tell God how you feel. It's okay to tell God how you feel. It's not wrong. It's not bad to tell the Lord that you're afraid. It's not wrong to tell the Lord that you're hurt. It's not wrong to tell the Lord that you have pain. It's not wrong to tell God that you are suffering. He is touched by the emotions that we experience. He is touched by our grief. He has compassion upon us, and we need to pour out our hearts to him. We need to make sure he knows how we feel. Let him know your pain. Let him know your loss. Let him know your sorrow. Let him know your fear, but through it all, maintain your integrity before God. Maintain your integrity before God. You could tell God all these things. You could tell God you don't understand it. God, I don't know what way to go, but God, I will trust you. Where you lead me, I will follow. I don't know where to go, but God, you know where to go, and I will follow where you lead me. I will go where you tell me to go. I may be in pain, I may be confused, but I'm still gonna trust you. I'm still gonna maintain my integrity before God. And the devil loves to hear that you're suffering, the devil loves to hear that you are hurting. That you are troubled, that you are confused. But when you turn that around and say, But God, I trust you, you turn around and you give the devil a black eye. You say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to hold on to your never changing hand. You give the devil a black eye. She looked at her husband and said, Do you still maintain your integrity? Look at you. Look at all that you've been through. Everybody else would have given up. Everybody else would have cursed God and died. But Job, you maintain your integrity. We don't charge God. We don't threaten God. We don't accuse God. We pour out our hearts to God. We pour out our supplications to him. But then we take a step back and let God be God. God, I give it to you. God, I'm depending on you to see me through. And he maintained his faith in God. Job had complete and utter faith in God. And I believe that if the last few years in our society has taught us anything, it is that we are really not in control of anything. You're not in control of your job. You're not in control of your health. You're not in control of your finances. You can try your best, but you're not in control. And we find this to be a scary time and to be a scary place. But God is saying, church, I want you to get there because I want you to understand something. I am in control. And I've got you in my hand. You don't know where you'll be working next month, but I know, and I'm going to take care of it. You don't know what your finances are going to be next year, but I've got it in my hands, and I'm going to take care of it. God is saying, you got to get out of that driver's seat And let God be God. You've been driving long enough and beating up my vehicle. It's time for you to get in the back seat. Let God get in the driver's seat. And let Jesus take the wheel and make the decisions for our lives. He's still God. He's still in control. He still knows what is best for us. And while Job was being challenged to give up on God... God was not giving up on Job. And while Job was endeavoring to hold on to his trust in God, God was trusting in him. And God's honor was on the line here. God's honor was on the line here. God had made a statement. God said, he doesn't serve me for the blessings. He serves me Because he loves me. And do you know who heard that statement? All of heaven and all of hell. That's who heard that statement. He had no idea the eyes were on him. Job didn't hear that statement. Heaven and hell heard that statement. Job did not. The eyes of every angel in heaven and the eyes of every demon in hell were upon him. Because God said, I have trust in my servant Job. Now, this is for every person under the sound of my voice today. No matter where you are at, you can trust God, but the question becomes can God trust you? Can God trust you? When the tables have turned, when things aren't going the way we expected, when life gets hard, when we don't get our way, do we fall on the ground and throw a temper tantrum like most of the snowflakes in our society today? Or do we say, God, I'm going to trust you. Do we realize that God has directed the eyes of every angel in heaven and every demon in hell on you? Do you realize that today? That ought to put the fear of God into someone today. God has directed the eyes of the angels and of the demons to our lives to see if we will be true to Him. You can always trust God, but can God trust you? Satan had said that Job would fail, God had said that Job would stay true. And Job stood. Through the loss of his children, he stood through the loss of his flocks, he stood through the loss of his houses, he stood through the loss of his possessions, he stood through the loss of everything he had, yeah, he lost his health too, and he has nothing else, and here comes the last thing that he actually did have, his wife, his wife, the most dear person in the world that he had, and she says, Husband, I love you, but curse God and die. Curse God and die. And for Job, it looks like it's all over. But Job says, I will not quit. Though the skin worms defour my body, in my flesh I shall see God. You see, when the devil comes... And the hard times come and the voice of discouragement is screaming in your ears. It won't be a high five that you need. It won't be a participation trophy that you need. It won't be a blanket to cuddle and suck your thumb with. What you will need is to know that your God still That no matter what happens, you can trust your God. You can trust his hand. You can trust what he is doing. This is not quitting time. Don't throw away your faith in God. It's time to roll and it's time to put all your trust in him. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Which means to complete it, he will, to complete it or to finish it, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking to someone right now that that work of salvation that began in you in your new birth experience, those that are having their new birth experience today, God will complete that work in you, that work of forming a new creature in you that God began. Don't quit. God will complete that work in you, that work that God has promised in his word to you. Don't quit. God will complete that work. God doesn't do anything halfway. God does not do anything halfway. But, Brother Chris, I don't see it. Brother Chris, I don't understand It doesn't matter if we see it. It doesn't matter if we understand. What God has started in you, he will complete it. God will fulfill the work in you. You know, well, it's it's Monday morning. The worship team's not in my bedroom singing those songs that I love so much. He's not here today, so I'm going to yell at him. But Brother Mike's not in my hallway jumping up and down, worshiping and inspiring me to, to, to press on. You know, I don't have the church in my house and, and I know what's ahead of me at work. I know the problems that will be on my shoulders. Be confident of this very thing. God started something in you. He's going to finish it. God didn't bring you this far to bring you this far. God didn't bring you this far to bring you this far. He brought you this far to bring you further. He brought you this far to take you all the way. He brought you this far to take you to the end of the race. He is going to complete the work. God does not do anything halfway. And the verse we read earlier in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 said, now, The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Those two words, draw back, comes from the Hebrew word that means to withdraw. It means in the past, someone was pulling ahead. Someone was pulling forward, but now they're pulling back. It means the exact opposite of pressing on. Job is not the only one who heard words of discouragement in Scripture. The Bible tells us about Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. And as Jesus leaves Jericho, Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming by. And he cries out, Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And immediately after he cries out to Jesus, the voice of discouragement begins to ring in his ear. Be quiet. Don't make a racket. You are not worthy. You are embarrassing us. Be quiet. You're not important. Don't cry out and disturb the master. And the temptation is to draw back. The temptation is to settle down. The temptation is to quiet down. But something rises up in the heart of that poor blind beggar. The same thing that rose up in the heart of Job. And he says, it's not quitting time. It's time to roll. And the Bible says he cried out so much more. He cried out so much more. When the voice of discouragement cries out to you, It's time to turn up the volume and cry out louder than the voice of discouragement. We need to turn the volume up. Bartimaeus just cried out louder. He cried out more desperately. Instead of drawing back, he pressed on. He pressed on. We cannot draw back in this time that we are living in, church. We cannot draw back in this time. And finally, Satan had pulled out all the stops up to this point to bring Job down. But his dirtiest trick was to use the person on earth who was the closest to Job, his wife. This was his last effort. His last shot was going to be his loudest one. And I want everyone under the sound of my voice today to hear this preacher, if you take nothing else from this message, take this. When the voice of discouragement is at its loudest, your victory is at its closest. When the voice of discouragement is at its loudest, your victory is at its closest. When the trials are at their hardest, When the night is at its darkest, when the battles are at their most difficult, your victory is at hand. Your victory is right around the corner. Job did not know that his victory was right around the corner. We know the story, but he didn't. We know what was going to happen, but he didn't. And he said, I will receive good from the hand of the Lord, and I will receive evil at the hand of the Lord. For I know my Redeemer liveth. He didn't even realize that the victory was right ahead of him. The greatest part of his life was just around the corner. You may feel like you can't take it anymore. You may feel like you've come to the end. You may feel like it's all over, but I have a word from the Lord for you today. It's not quitting time. It's victory time. It's time to roll, and your victory is right around the corner today. Stand with me all over this house as the musicians come. I want to tell you about this story that I read as I was studying. This is, this is a story that took place at the turn of the century into the 1900s. And it's about a telegraph. A telegraph that was sent back and forth between a husband and a wife. And if you don't know, there were no periods to end a sentence in a telegraph when you wanted to end a sentence, there would be the word stop in parentheses. Now, the wife was on a trip to Europe when she found this beautiful tapestry. And a tapestry is a, a woven piece of art. And this tapestry was an inexpensive $20,000. In the 1900s, is a lot of money (laughs) today it is but then it was too and she really wanted this tapestry so she sent a telegraph to her husband back in the US found beautiful tapestry stop I really want stop but $20,000 stop The husband receives this telegraph and immediately responds, no, stop, price too high, stop. And a few weeks later, the wife returns home and the husband meets her at the port where she was coming off the boat and she runs to her husband and she gives him a hug and she tells him, thank you for letting me get the tapestry. I love it so much. And the husband says, what are you talking about? I told you no. She says, no, you didn't. I have your telegraph right here. And when they looked at it, the husband realized that the telegram operator made a mistake. Instead of printing, no, stop, price too high stop he printed no price too high stop no price too high as Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane the flesh is praying to the spirit and the flesh is in distress in the agony of the cross that he's facing The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is looking at Calvary, and the flesh is saying, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And he hopes to receive the reply, No, stop. Price to redeem mankind is too high. Stop. But instead, he gets the reply. No price to redeem mankind is too high. Stop. Jesus would not give up on us regardless of the price. He didn't give up on us when we weren't worthy. He didn't give up on us when we weren't lovable. He didn't give up on us when we couldn't even love ourselves. Because no price was too high to redeem mankind. He would not give up. He would not quit. And I want to tell someone today, you feel like giving up. But what good will that do you? What exactly would you gain by giving up? Will the pain go away? Will the losses suddenly be reversed? Will the world suddenly right itself? Will all your problems go away? Will you suddenly move ahead because you quit on God? Let me tell you what happens when you quit on God. You lose peace in the storm. You'll lose joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll lose the joy of salvation. You'll lose the promises of God and you'll lose heaven. So I ask you today, church, what exactly would you gain by quitting? The world is telling you to quit on God, but what exactly would you gain? Todd Beamer and those aboard United Flight 93 didn't quit. The first responders, the police officers, the firefighters, the medical personnel, and all those that assisted on September 11, 2001, did not quit. They all risked their lives doing what they knew to do. So I ask you, church, are you going to quit because life is a little hard? Or are you going to say, God, I'm ready. Let's roll. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. But, God, I'm going to trust you with all that I am. And if this is you today, these altars are open for you. If it seems too hard, that's when God is getting ready to give you your blessing. It's time to roll, church. This is not quitting time. This is victory time. Would you come claim that today?